Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. Over the coming months, we as a church are going to be looking at the Apostles' Creed together, an ancient summary of the Christian faith that has traveled through thousands of years and functioned as an anchor of truth in a constantly shifting world. The Creed presents truth claims that can be explored, that provoke questions, that come directly from scripture and that are owned by a community. Thanks for joining us. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Exodus chapter 3 Verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 16. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptised by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptised by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptise him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. John chapter 20 verse 17 Don't cling to me, Jesus said for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Just to be honest, let's be real for a moment. I feel pretty undone this morning. Um, I feel undone by God's goodness. I feel undone by others' suffering. Uh, I think um, just hearing of people who are just like us, who are dealing with a world that we can't ever imagine, and yet what they're motivated by is that same love that we've sung of that causes them to then not think about their own needs, but to get out and to seek to care for their neighbor's needs. And it overwhelms me, it undoes me because there's something different about who we are. We're not like a club. We're God's manifest wisdom being revealed to a broken world. And I find that humbling, that God would use people like me, people like you, 
to reveal the wonder and awe of who he is. And um, so, yeah, I'm feeling about I'm done. I think the other thing is, let's just talk about one other thing that's going on with my body at the moment, and that is this, um, which is like the remnants of a, of a big spot. And um, I just recognize if you're watching this online, you're probably thinking, what is that? Yeah, it is just, it's unpleasant, and maybe I should have covered it up, but I didn't. Uh, I, I don't wear cover-up, and so I just felt like that would be faking it. Uh, so yeah, I just thought I'd call it out. Yeah, it's a, it's a big bloody mess there that's just there. Um, um, that kind of, kind of brings it back to earth, doesn't it? All right, so you're feeling undone, but you just talked about your spot, Adrian. Yeah, let's get back in then, shall we? Um, we're looking at this amazing creed, the Apostles' Creed, and we're doing it because it, as Mike says, just... I can't remember the word he used, but it's always those moments where Mike uses a word, and I think, oh, you're the intelligent one of the team. Um, distilled. It wasn't distilled, was it? It was like, what was that word? Was it distilled? It felt like the distilling of our faith into one document. Uh, but it's that that is this creed, this ancient creed that's been there, that roots itself in Scripture and reveals the God of the Bible, who, Bible, who is revealed as Father, Son, and Spirit, and allows us to see the wonder of who God is, and we wanted to camp out in the creed in order that we'd allow it to enrich our lives. And if you weren't around last Sunday, I'd encourage you, please do listen uh, to Mike's talk, because it earths everything that we're looking at over these coming weeks. And then it want us, what I want us to see and discover is that this isn't just like a, a dead document that we're kind of reading parrot fashion, but rather is this living document that causes us as followers of Jesus to say, this breathes life into us because of the wonder of the one it speaks of. Because it reveals the God of the Bible, Father, Son, and Spirit, and reveals the wonder and awe of how he's worthy of our worship, but also begins to cause us to realize as we contemplate the wonder of who he is, how it then shapes who we are. And that's what we're going to see. And I think in days like today, it's so good to look at it. In days like today, where it feels like it's full of like joy and pain, it causes us to come and say, but God, you don't change. You are in control and you are worthy as we sung of it all. And therefore, we're going to zoom in on the first statement within the creed, which says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And how I want us to look at this statement is to spend some time contemplating it, to spend some time just considering it, because it isn't that we just kind of say it, it's rather that we, as we hear those words, we allow them to sink deep within our being, because as it does, as we meditate on it, it causes us to see again the wonder of who God is and how he shapes who we are. And so we're just going to spend some time contemplating. We're going to contemplate in three parts. We're going to break this statement down into the maker of heaven and earth, almighty and father. And we're just going to contemplate briefly what those things mean. But encourage us over the coming week, continue the contemplation. Maybe you're here trying to figure out, well, who is God? Well, like, just spend some time this week contemplating this statement, God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Maybe we're here and we're followers of Jesus. I'd say, spend time this week contemplating that statement, allowing it to 
pause over each word and just allow it to sink deeper into us, reminding us of what we've read in Scripture, what it draws to our attention in order that we see more of who God is. Let's spend time in our small groups this week, contemplating together, encouraging one another about things that we've thought of and been considering, and then spending time just worshipping the wonder of who God is. But for this moment, I want us to contemplate then. I'm going to start with maker of heaven and earth, where in Genesis 1 it says this, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. One of the things I love about gathering together on a Sunday is you're just with this bunch of people that's the expression of Oasis in that moment. Obviously, there's others that are online. There's others who are not able to be with us today uh, for varying reasons. So it's not the, the whole of the family, but it's like an expression of the family, the family in terms of our different life stages, our different backgrounds, and our different ages. And one of the things I love doing is waiting for my coffee. Because as you're waiting for your coffee or your tea or your varying other selection of hot beverages that are on offer increasingly every week, um, you get to bump shoulders with different people. And the people I really love bumping shoulders with are some of our kids who are always queuing up for their hot chocolate. And as you get to chat to them, they ask different questions. There's one particular child that asks me the biggest questions you can ever imagine. So we're just queuing there. I need a coffee for a reason. And so we're there, and they're asking me a big question. I'm like, wow, that is a big question. And so the big one they're asking at the moment is, okay, God created the world, but who created God? And, you know, it's five past ten on a Sunday morning, and someone's asking you, who created God? And you're like, whoa, whoa, that's a big question. Because the reality is, as created beings, it is beyond our comprehension to comprehend, imagine one who was not created. And yet the Bible doesn't shy away from that reality. It starts the whole of the story off in Genesis 1 by saying, in the beginning, God. Wow, like... Genesis 1, 2 aren't like a how it all happens. Like, we love that, don't we? Like, how did it happen? Uh, right, okay, so how old's the earth then? If it was in seven days, literally? Uh, you know, it's not that. It's a who. It's an introduction. Like, who is this story all about? In the beginning, God. See, when we say maker of heaven and earth, what it's doing is it's reminding us that God is one who is uncreated. That's mind-blowing. God is one who has eternally existed. And God is one who is revealed, both through the creed that we speak about, through the Bible, as one who is this loving community, a triune God, a God of three persons in one. Man, if uncreated wasn't enough to get our brain around, suddenly we're introduced to this being that is above all, beyond all, who is Father, Son, and Spirit. One God in community, which changes everything. Because what it means is, it's a God of loving community who isn't in need. See, that speaks of something of creation. So this God who is uncreated then creates, not out of need of thinking, I'm a bit bored, I need something to do, I need some people to interact with. 
now of an overflow of a loving community that's eternally existed, of Father, Son, and Spirit. This God creates as an overflow of love. And God truly does create. He's uncreated and he creates. An artist friend of mine always says, we make, as humans, God creates. Because humans, we make stuff out of things that already exist. We might kind of shape some things differently. We might alloy some metals. We might mold something that's in the ground to become something beautiful or take a tree that is beautiful and then as it's dying, kind of then manufacture something different out of it. But we make stuff out of stuff that's already there. God creates out of nothing. In the beginning, God, and then he creates We haven't got time to look at that. Like you look at God then put on flesh in the world, Jesus, and you realize that that takes a different consideration of what we call miracles was God just doing what God does, create. So Jesus can take the molecular structure of water, as Dallas Willard says, and then just reconstruct it to wine. It wasn't a party trick. This was the God who creates out of nothing doing what God does. Creates, doesn't make. You see, this God who's uncreated, who creates, is one who speaks things into being. See, at the beginning, speaks and there's light and there's darkness. But he's one who speaks the word and creates. And then ultimately, as we to fast forward through the Bible, because we're trying to do this quickly and I need to remember the time, is that this one who is the word, then is created and puts on flesh, as Jesus, to do what? To create, not water into wine, no, no, to create something way beyond that, something that none of us could make do with or could make happen. And that's that Jesus comes, puts on flesh in order to create life and life forevermore for everyone as comes and dies and rises again in order that he can create salvation, rescue for all. Wow maker of heaven and earth, the uncreated one, the one who creates, truly, doesn't make, creates. Lastly, he's one who creates stuff that's good. What God does is good. Like when you read Genesis 1-2, God can't help but just within the Trinity just keep saying, like, this is good until it gets to the end and says, this is very good. What a holy two words they are to announce, to pronounce, to image God in when you speak very good. And you see, we need to be aware of that because when we say he's the maker of heaven and earth, we're reminding ourselves, oh yeah, he's the one who creates what's good which helps us in these moments where the world doesn't make sense because it doesn't feel that good. When we hear of 28,000 people and counting dying through an earthquake, we're thinking, well, where's God in this? Well, God is. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And there's a guy called Benjamin Myers who we're going to quote a couple of times because he just is able to 
express something that I can't, can't do. So I'm going to just use his words. And he says this, Though many evil things happen in this world, Christians confess that we're still living in God's good creation. It is a sick world that needs healing, not an evil world that needs destruction. It is a sick world that needs healing, not an evil world that needs destruction. You see, when moments like this, where I go from the elation of, wow, look at the pledges that have been made, this is unbelievable, to, I can't believe my brothers and sisters and unknown people are suffering in another nation. It awakens me to the fact that this world isn't as it's meant to be, it's sick, and it needs healing. And it causes me to lean in again to the maker of heaven and earth who came and took on flesh in order that what? In order that he'd be able to come and through his life, death, and resurrection, not only cause you and I to be rescued, but come and cause the whole of creation to be rescued. That Jesus' resurrection promised that he isn't finished yet. What he started, he will finish. And what he's going to do when he finishes is renew all things, including this planet. He's come to heal you. He's come to heal me. And he's come to heal this planet. So when I hear news of earthquakes, I think, come, Lord Jesus. Come and cause your healing to be seen and known in this planet. As one writer said, there's this pain in us that thinks, please come quickly. And yet God in his infinite patience and wisdom waits because he's still longing to catch more and more people up into his loving, merciful grace. We contemplate the maker of heaven and earth, who reminds us there is hope, even hope on weeks like this, that creation ultimately speaks of a loving gift and that we can rest in the wonder of being caught up in, the relation, in relationship with the one who is uncreated. Almighty. God replied to Moses, I am who I am in Exodus 3.14. See, God, in that moment, reveals something to Moses about who he is and what he's to be known as. And he says, my name is I am who I am, which basically means I will be who I will be. That God is the one who is and will always be. Like, we can just spend the next kind of 24 hours thinking, what, what does that mean then? I will be who I'm going to be? And that's what we're encouraged to do when we say these things. It's to contemplate, to allow it to just whirl around in our head until it starts to sink into our hearts. Because what we discover as we contemplate is one who is self-sufficient, one who's unchanging, unceasing, one who is before all things, over all things, and at the end of all things, one who is powerful. God is powerful. The thing is, we don't like talking about power because when we do, what we see is how power is abused, corrupted. We see the world around us where 
Power seems not only to corrupt, but prey on the weakest. Seems to cause the bearers of it, the yielders of it, to protect their own interests rather than looking out for others. That's not what we're talking about when we're saying the power of God. Again, Benjamin Myers helps us by saying this. True power is not the ability to control. Controlling behavior is a sign of weakness and insecurity. True power is the ability to love and enable without reserve. God's power, like the power of a good parent or teacher, is the capacity to nourish other, nourish other agents and to help their freedom grow. God's sovereignty is what secures human freedom, not what threatens it. When we say almighty, we're bringing to mind one who is powerful and is using everything at their disposal to cause you and I to be all we were destined to be. That's good news. And it's not just true for everyone in this room, it's true for everyone on this planet who has lived and will live. Augustine used to say in terms of God's power, it is a maternal love. That's such a beautiful image of power. We tend to think power is domination. Augustine, ancient father, I'm going to quote a couple of them, ancient father of the faith who says, no, it's it's maternal love. That love that's seeking to nurture. That love that's seeking to sustain. That's what we're talking about with power. The one who's almighty. We get to remember his might, his power, and rest in it. Finally, then, Father. It's this beautiful moment where we're given this window in to what's been going on throughout eternity at Jesus' baptism, where Jesus goes under the water. It's like this new creation moment of Jesus under the water comes out and then the Spirit descends on him, like the Spirit hovering over the waters of the creation story. And the Spirit's there and you find then the Father can't help but kind of speak out over Jesus and says this in Matthew 3.17, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. See, what we get there is this window in to what's been going on for a whole of eternity, of how the Father has been loving and delighting in the Son, how the Son is loving and delighting in the Father all through the Spirit. That's why it's so important to see it, that this is a God of Father and Son, because it speaks of one who's not in need, but one who is loving, is seeking to pull and call others to know that love. It's quite another old bloke. Unfortunately, they are all blokes at the moment. Tended to be the case. We'll find some old women next week. Gregory of Nazinus. If you know how to say that, say it properly later. We all know I couldn't say it. But he says this. Fathers designate neither the substance nor the activity, but the relationship, the manner of being, which holds good between father and son. What's he saying? When we say father, it reveals the relationship of love and honor with the son by the spirit, 
a relationship that Jesus makes a way through his life, death, and resurrection for all of us to enjoy. The Father and Son is speaking of relationship. A relationship that's eternally existed that Jesus then can't help but having been resurrected, the first thing he says to his amazing friend Mary as he encounters her is this in John 20, 17. I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. You can't help but saying, what's gone on? What's happened as a result of my life, death, resurrection? Oh, you've been caught up in what I've always known. My Father is your Father. You see, in receiving the life that Jesus offers, it means that we get hidden in him. Therefore, everything that is spoken over Jesus gets spoken over you and gets spoken over me. This is mind-blowing. This is identity-redefining. I don't know who you think God is, but what God says about you and what he's longing for you to know is this. This is my dearly loved child who brings me great joy. Wow. Like, how do you wake up in the morning? I want to wake up more and more with, you're my dearly loved child who brings me great joy. I don't want you to leave this morning without knowing that. I don't know, maybe you're sat at home at this moment thinking I've forgotten you. I haven't forgotten you because it's true for you. The Father says over you, you're my dearly loved child who brings me great joy. Do we know it? Are we living in the wonder of it? See, when we say, Father, it reminds us that we are caught up in relationship. And this relationship redefines our identity. My identity isn't what I do, isn't what I say, isn't who I'm with. My identity is in this reality. I am hidden in Jesus, and the Father says over me, this is my dearly loved child who brings me great joy. I spoke for too long. I'm annoyed at myself. Here's the invitation. Can we give ourselves this week to contemplate the wonder of these words? as individuals and as small groups, that we have a God who is the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And it is such good news. But can I offer us not only an invitation to contemplate, but also an invitation to hear? Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's afresh, that God doesn't want you to leave this morning without knowing in the very depths of your being that you are his dearly loved child who brings him such great joy. We are going to end, and some of you are going to go and get your kids. Well, actually, you know, if you have got kids out there, isn't like some of you got to go, all of you go and get your kids, all right? That's, that's not a, we don't run a thing of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done with these ones. No, you go and get them. But before we do, they kind of know I was going to do this. We knew that today would be a bit chaotic. There's a lot we were trying to jam in. But it felt like 
wrong to kind of miss this moment? Miss this moment of what the one we've spoken out longs to do in your life and my life. And in a moment, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that we would know more of the wonder of the maker of heaven and earth, of the almighty and of the father. I'm going to pray for all of us. And then after I've prayed for all of us, I'm then going to specifically pray for some of us. I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to, to then be prayed for just after that by coming forward. Not because forward is like magical or like some kind of holy thing. It's just because it enables us to pray for one another. And we're going to pray for some of us who are going to know for the first time. And for some of us, it's going to be just like, I just need to know this. And I, I, it just felt like there's been this barrier where the Father's going to speak over us. Dearly loved child, one I delight and take joy in. I'm going to stand. I'd love it if you could stand with me and we'll mess around with cameras. Sorry, Becky. I wonder if um, Rod and my friends can come back and do some things with musical instruments that if I do, it's not going to go well. Um, just why these guys, should we just close our eyes just where we've stood? If we can't stand, that's totally fine. God's meeting with us. We're at home. You probably don't want to stand in your room by yourself, but just where you are, just open yourself to God. And just, just in this moment, let's just close our eyes. I often find in these moments, as I close my eyes, I often put my hands out just as a way of saying, God, I open the whole of myself to you. And just say, I want to know more of you. I want to say there's nothing hidden here. You have full access to the whole of who I am. And God, I just pray for us now in this room. I pray, would you come and would you meet with us? God, we don't want to just say words. We want to allow them to penetrate the depths of our being. And I pray, would you, the uncreated one, the creator of heaven and earth, would you come and would you reveal yourself in greater wonder to the core of our being, of the hope that it speaks of, even in weeks like this. I pray, would you come and reveal yourself as the God who is powerful, almighty. And yet that might and power isn't one that's seeking to crush us, but one that's seeking to sustain and to nourish us in order that we'd be everything we were destined to be. And God, I pray, would you cause us to live as you, as our Father, and us as your children who live daily with that proclamation. This is my child who I dearly love, who I take joy and delight in.